Hi, and welcome to Long Live the Queen, where we talk about the women who made history. And by we, I mean the royal we, because it's just me. This week, our subject is Jacqueline of Haino. Jacqueline was born in 1401, the only daughter of William, Duke of Bavaria, Count of Holland, and his wife, Margaret of Burgundy. She was called Jacqueline of Holland since birth, indicating that her father recognized her as an heir after 16 years of a childless marriage. Her father had at least nine illegitimate children. Since she was female, she could expect resistance. She had an uncle and a cousin that were both male. Legally, as a woman, she could inherit, but not everyone in Europe at that time agreed with that. There would be some who contested her as ruler, just because she was female. After all, France did not allow women to rule, and England had so far avoided it. But Haino had let women rule for ages now. When Jacqueline was two, she was betrothed to her father's ward, five-year-old Prince John of France. He wasn't a ward because he was an orphan like some noble children. He was the fourth son of King Charles the Mad of France and his wife, Isabeau of Bavaria. Two of his older brothers had passed away young, but there was still one more son before John to be heir. So at this point, he was still the spare, but as soon as his brother had children, he wouldn't be. So John was sent to Haino with full intention of marrying him to the daughter of the Count, ensuring him an income and ensuring her support from France if she ever needed it. And being a woman, she would need it. And with John's father's mental health more off than on, It would have been a more secure childhood, probably, in Heno. Three years later, the children were betrothed again, just for good measure. William really tried very hard to secure his only legitimate daughter's future as the ruler of his lands. When the children were 10 and 13, they received a papal dispensation. It was illegal to marry someone who grew up in the same household like your sibling. But the nobles had a way around that, because the privileged have always found a way around it with legal loopholes. And the Pope gave them permission to break the law. At the ages of 14 and almost 17, the teenagers got married at The Hague, a port city in Holland. Holland was the noble family's preferred home. The young couple were only married four months when John's last remaining older brother died, probably of dysentery, while away at war with his mentally ill father. This meant John was the new Dauphin, the French word from male heir to the king. This meant that Jacqueline was the future Queen of France. As the future Queen of France, she would likely inherit her father's titles and lands because she would have the entire French army backing her. Her uncle and cousin would not be able to successfully fight that large of an army off. But they would likely have to live in France instead of Holland. This never came to fruition, though. At the young age of 18, John died, making his little brother the new Dauphin. Charles the Mad was running out of sons. This left Jacqueline no longer the future Queen of France and a widow at only 16. We don't really know her feelings about the death of her husband, but she probably would have felt that politically she was in a very vulnerable position. What did John die of? We don't exactly know. Officially, Mystery abscesses on his neck and head. Unofficially, he was probably poisoned. In fact, not long after this, 
abscesses on the head was what they said when what they meant was assassination. Like, he died from abscesses on the head. That, that meant he was killed. So that probably came from this. The king of France was more mentally ill than mentally healthy, and he couldn't keep his children safe. And there were a lot of factions that thought that because of Charles' madness, it was better to start fresh with a whole new branch of the royal family. And with so many of his sons dying from plague, dysentery, and poison, the Valois branch was currently fairly weak. Jacqueline and her father needed a backup plan and fast. She would need support to keep her titles. Unfortunately, her father died just two months after her husband died of an infected dog bite. They didn't have antibiotics yet, so that was enough to do it. This was problematic for so many reasons. Still, grieving the death of her husband and in mourning, she then lost her father and biggest supporter. At 16, she had to fight for her titles. Hainaut was easy. Within a month, she had been declared countess. They had women rulers before, and no one was too worried. Hainaut was very progressive for the day and age. Holland and Zealand were trickier. They did seem concerned about letting a woman rule, and the people were split. The old aristocracy, the more traditional nobles, backed Jacqueline. She was the legitimate daughter of their last ruler, and there was no question in their minds that she was next. The municipal party, though, backed her Uncle John, the younger brother of her father, because, well, he wasn't a 16-year-old girl. And Bavaria was not having it. No women rulers allowed, and they pivoted to the brother of the Queen of France as their new ruler. If you are keeping score, she has Haino, she's lost Bavaria. And Holland and Zealand were undecided still. A married female would be a more attractive leader than a single one, so Jacqueline had to find a new husband, preferably one with an army. Who is she fighting against? Her Uncle John. Her Uncle John had the support of the King of Luxembourg, Sigmund, who also happened to be the Holy Roman Emperor, so she needed a big army. Sigmund was so in favor of John that he married John off to his niece. Jacqueline relied on the advice of her mother and her uncle, the Duke of Burgundy. Her new husband was to be 15-year-old John, Duke of Brabant. The theory was that he had the backing of the French army, but it wasn't the same as having the future King of France as a husband. The couple were first cousins, so they required permission from the Pope to break the law, and it was granted in December. But it was then revoked the following month in January. Political drama. Just a couple of months later, they got married without the papal dispensation, thinking that they would be able to get it back before they had children. They did get it back, but it took just over a year with Sigmund and her Uncle John fighting against it. Now they were officially married. Jacqueline's husband had a little more power. He had rights over her. What was hers was legally his. He was also still very young and impressionable. He was 15 and still in his formative years when he agreed to a peace. He would hand over Holland and Zealand to Jacqueline's uncle, and she would keep Haino. This wasn't so much of a peace treaty as it was just Jacqueline's husband quitting the war and giving the enemy everything they wanted. She kept Haino, but she already had Haino. This was enough for Jacqueline to realize that this marriage was a huge mistake, and she wanted it annulled. She felt very betrayed, and she was angry. She had experience now. She needed an army, 
And until then, she would bide her time in Haino. She didn't have to wait long. The next year, when she was about 19, there was a European shakeup. King Charles the Mad had disinherited his youngest son, and France didn't let women rule. King Charles had declared King Henry V of England as his heir after he died. King Henry was also getting married to the king's youngest daughter, Catherine, strengthening his claim. But he would have to fight for it against the current king's disinherited son and a handful of his brothers. But the king of England was good at war, and he had a good chance at becoming the king of England and France and fulfilling his great-grandfather's last wishes, winning the Hundred Years' War. So what was Jacqueline to do? She switched sides. After all, what had the French done for her except convince her to marry her second husband, who turned out to be a total dud? She waited for the marriage festivities to quiet down and the wedding tour to be over, and then she left for England to beg for help in getting her territories back. Jacqueline was met with a great reception. King Henry V was a pretty great host. He had a way of making people feel like he heard them, and he supported them. But what they really wanted was to support him. He had a way of talking people into things. He did it every time. Jacqueline was an honored guest at English court and seemed to get along with the English king and his new wife, who was a French princess and the same age as Jacqueline. Henry could use as much European support as he could get in order to become king of France as well as England. King Henry went off to war with France again, leaving his pregnant wife safe at home. In December of that year, the queen had her baby, little Prince Henry. The king was still off at war, but Jacqueline, who was still in England, was made one of the godmothers to little Prince Henry. Her plan was going perfectly again. Finally, she could relax a little. She had the support and friendship of the king and queen of England, and hopefully France, and she was the godmother to the future king of England, and hopefully France. Everything seemed to be coming up Jacqueline, except she was still married to that dud, John. But then, just seven months later, the king, never having returned for more to meet his son, died. The king is dead. Long live the king, the baby king. Just like before, everything seemed to be working just to suddenly be derailed abruptly. So, time to pivot again and make a new plan. But she had made so much progress in England, and was still the good friend of the queen mother and godmother to the new baby king. So at the age of 21, she received her annulment from the dead. Except for one problem. The annulment was only valid in England, nowhere else. But for now, England was where she was, so that was good enough. She just had to get herself married to a powerful Englishman who could help her get her annulment recognized with the rest of Europe. Powerful men had ways through loopholes. And the very next year, she married Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester. He was very powerful, a royal duke, younger brother to the late King Henry V, and uncle to the new baby King Henry VI. He, along with his brother, the Duke of Bedford, were helping to run England for their baby nephew. The wedding was a secret, because of course it was. Those were all the rage. Meaning it was probably not a political marriage, at least not for him. She had nothing to offer him, but he could help her a great deal. When it was finally announced, the wedding surprised everyone. Why would a royal duke marry a 22-year-old girl with barely one kingdom? 
there were rumors she was pregnant, and if she had a boy from a powerful English royal duke, it would help her chances greatly in getting the rest of her territories back. Just after the marriage was announced, Jacqueline unfortunately miscarried a child she had either been pregnant with when she got married or conceived shortly after. She still wasn't pregnant yet again when her uncle and main nemesis died of poison, because that was really going around. It was poison season. Her main nemesis was out of the picture, but her husband, the dud, was still claiming her territories. In the rest of Europe, she was still considered to be married to him. And he was working with her cousin. He had made him his heir, because he still didn't have an heir. And with his wife married to someone else in England, he wasn't likely to get one. And she certainly wasn't having children with him. She wasn't even coming back to the country. Her new husband, Humphrey, decided to fight back, but it didn't go so well. They were unsuccessful. Timing was not on Jacqueline's side. Luckily, though, for Jacqueline, her second husband, the dud, died at the age of 23. We don't know what exactly, but I'm going to go with poison, because after all, it was poison season. He is often considered a weak prince, who was easily influenced by much more shrewd and politically able men, such as Philip the Good and John III of Holland. His age and experience would have played a major role in this characterization. So, problem solved? Not so fast. A year after the death of her second husband, the Pope declared that it was in fact valid and her English annulment wasn't legal. So even though her second husband had died, she still wasn't legally married to her third husband. It was just powerful men trying to control inheritance through legal loopholes. In any case, by this point, Humphrey was having an affair with one of Jacqueline's ladies-in-waiting, Eleanor Cobham. But we'll get into that in a later episode. And with his marriage officially canceled in Europe, he decided to marry his mistress. So it was time for another pivot for Jacqueline. Timing never seemed to be on her side. She kept marrying men to help her, but it never worked out. So time to find a fourth husband. But Jacqueline seems like she tired of fighting. She was 27, unmarried, and still childless. Her last husband, Humphrey, was busy trying to stop his sister-in-law, Queen Catherine, from remarrying while himself marrying his mistress, Eleanor, Jacqueline's old lady-in-waiting. She decided to sign a peace treaty with her cousin, Philip. She retained her titles of Countess of Haino, Holland, and Zealand, but the running of the territories would be her cousin Philip's job, and if she died with no heir, he would be her heir. She was in charge in name only now, and to make matters worse, if she wanted to remarry and attempt to make some heirs, she needed permission from her mother, her cousin, and all three of her territories. So she wasn't likely to get that. And at this point, she was probably over men and their legal loopholes. But her financial situation was bad. And by that I mean she could barely afford her servants. So, like, poor for a rich person, but not poor, poor. She still had servants. Definitely poor for her and her lifestyle. BFF to the last Queen of England, her cousin had not progressed in good faith either. He was buying off the loyalty of her supporters and estranged her from them any way he could. He would not stop until she was less than no threat at all. So after five years at the mercy of her cousin, the friendships she had ruined, she voluntarily signed her territories over to her cousin. 
Voluntary is in air quotes. She did it under financial distress. In return for her titles and lands, she was granted the income of several estates in Zealand, meaning that once the crops were harvested and the animals were sold or butchered and all of the yearly bills were paid and the food was provided for, she got the additional funds, any profit the estates made. She was now 31, still unmarried and childless, and quite frankly, probably tired from fighting for the last 15 years. She decided to retire to one of her estates in Zealand. It was hers. Why not? If she quietly retired there, she probably wouldn't be bothered anymore by her ambitious male relatives. In Zealand, she became close with Francois, Lord of Borset, a local powerful noble. He was a big fish in a little pond, but they fell in love. He wasn't powerful, so he wasn't a threat. And this would have been seen as Jacqueline marrying down. So she received her cousin's blessing, and the 32-year-old Jacqueline married the 37-year-old Francois, this time, for the first time, for love. There are rumors surrounding this couple that they were actually married two years earlier, but kept it a secret, because secret marriages were all the rage, and that Jacqueline finally signed over her lands so they could be married out in public, that she gave up her kingdom for love. I hope it's true that she just found her happiness and decided the politics were never going to make her fulfilled like her fourth marriage would. But there's really no proof other than the rumors, so I don't know. People like to make up romantic versions of stories, but they did seem to be in love and be happy, and I'm happy for them. It was a long battle to get there. Unfortunately, they were only married for two years when Jacqueline came down with tuberculosis. She was sick for a couple of months and then died at the age of 35. She was survived by her husband, Francois, who lived another 34 years to the age of about 75. He stayed loyal to her family after his death. She was also survived by her mother. Jacqueline had been the only child of her mother and predeceased her. Her mother died five years after her in the same place that she had raised Jacqueline in. Jacqueline is the main character in a book written in 1831 named Jacqueline of Holland, written by Thomas Coley Grattan. It's available to read on the internet if you want to know more, or if you're really interested, you can buy the three-volume set for just $423.28 U.S., plus $1610 shipping, but all yours for under $500. And that is where we will leave it for this week. Jacqueline didn't have an easy life, and she was barely a full adult when it ended. She kept being married to men to help her position, and it slowly just got worse and worse. But she was living in a world where women, even noble women, didn't have many rights, other than through their fathers or their husbands. And in the end, she seemed to find happiness, and for a little while, led a quiet, happy life. For the most part, she seemed to do the best she could in the life she was placed in, including English court, secret marriages, and almost becoming the Queen of France for a short while. What do you think? Were all of those deaths poison? Maybe none of them were. Did Jacqueline only give up her lands to announce her secret marriage, or was she just over it? If she had lived longer, would she have tried to regain her lands, or would she have stayed happy at her estate with Francois if they had lived together to be 70. 
You can share your thoughts with me at longlivethequeenpodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook or Instagram at longlivethequeenpodcast. Long live to all the queens out there. And until next week, bye.